Hello, friends. We are interrupting healing hearts to herald a time of celebration and triumph. This month, we honor an extraordinary group of young individuals, our foster grads. Against all odds, these resilient graduates have turned challenges into stepping stones, achieving a milestone that once seemed distant. Their caps and gowns are not just attire, but symbols of perseverance, strength, and hope. Each graduate's success is a testament to the unwavering support of the Speak Up for Kids community. Together, we've built a foundation of encouragement and care, helping these bright stars to shine. Visit Growing Grads at www.speakupforkidspbc.org and join us in celebrating the incredible journey of our foster kids. Let's cheer for their past achievements and rally for their future successes. When we stand together, every graduate is a beacon of hope for tomorrow, fueling the journey with potential and promise. Now, Back to Healing Hearts. Welcome to Healing Hearts, a podcast from Parents Speak Up for Kids. In keeping with the overall mission of 100% advocacy for the foster community, Healing Hearts covers topics of interest for foster children, foster parents, and those who advocate for both. We are today's hosts, Riley and Sophia. In today's episode, we continue our discussion with Miss Christine Brown. She has agreed to share her experience as a foster parent. If you have not done so already, Please listen to part one of Back to School in advance of listening to this episode. So I know from personal experience with my brother that each child is different and has different individual needs. So there are many different types of programs offered in schools such as IEP, Gifted, and the Dual Language Program. Do you think you could touch on each of these and explain how foster parents should kind of determine which level or program to place their child in? This is from my experience. Where are they going to succeed? For you all, I can say this. You know what? I know that they don't perceive themselves good in history or good in whatever subject it is, but challenge them, right? Challenge them. In their cases, I wanted them to be in regular classes at first to just get their footing at, very, at the very beginning, to get their very footing so they weren't necessarily so stressed about school because, again, they're dealing with care workers coming to see them. They have a guardian at litem from the court. They've just lost their friends and family. We're trying to work on bio connections. There's a lot of changes and a lot going on. So I, my personal opinion was, unless they are like this extremely gifted child who you feel like they're bored in that class and they're just more going to get in trouble, I, I put them in regular classes. Now, a lot of times they needed intensive classes. They needed push-ins. Um, I found so that there was another teacher in that room. And that teacher, I felt, especially a lot of these um, ESD teachers, they're amazing. And I found them to be great connections because I know for myself as a teacher, you're overloaded. If you're in an intensive class or if you're in a regular class, you may have 10 to 15 IEPs. But that small group instructor is extremely helpful. The dual language coordinator, extremely important. And a lot of times they do a great job of communicating and they're able to tell you then how that child is doing one-on-one because that's what they need. And they need the one-on-one attention. And a lot of times 
the kids will go into a class, you know, with that imposter syndrome, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is a nice place. I, I'm not used to this. They've come from places, my own children, there's many children that were not sent to school and were homeschooled. And I say that because they weren't schooled, but they kept them at home. Um, so this may all be new to them, depending on their ages. So they may not even been used to getting in line and the procedure that we all know. High schoolers, different matter because I they don't necessarily want anyone to know their background. There is some shame with it. And when they go in a regular class, they see, you know, we have a little extra time to, to maybe chat or they make that bond with that, you know, help teacher, that auxiliary teacher that's in there, the push-in. And that's really important to them. So dual language important, but their individualized education need. And if they're labeled SLD or specific learning disabled, or they have speech and occupational therapy, they really do see more teachers and more opportunity to really, for the parent to get an assessment of where they are rather than just the generalized class. Can you explain what an IEP is for our audience? Let me add something to that last answer. There was a type in middle school, a class that we had, again, this is for parents, that was direct instruction where it was really an super intensive class for my one son. I also found in that class that there were a lot of behavior issues so that then I had to worry, is he being picked on because he's already an introverted kid? So asking all those questions of how many behavior issues are there, who's in that class, how many kids are in that class, and if there's any possibility of asking other people, reaching out to them, and that may be the helpful of getting involved with the PTA and, and things like that. An individualized education plan is a plan that's put together, and I recommend it for really all foster kids, that have a team of professionals that are evaluating them. They have a person coming in. School psychologists usually rotate. You don't have dedicated school psychologists to each school. They're from the district, but they can come in and do an evaluation. So you're not paying outside. $500 and things like that, unless it's covered by your insurance. Your caseworker may have some also, some pull in that, that you can get it done before school. But I, I think it's worth mentioning to both and seeing who takes you up on it. So the individualized education plan, that is an analysis of the kid to, of the child and the student to say, what special services can we provide to that child? And but then from time to time, and they're now on Zoom, which is beautiful because a working parent can jump on the meeting and hear from the teacher, from the specialists, how they're doing and what they need. They give them goals and they say how they are proceeding with those goals. And that plan goes with them through throughout their schooling. But it's really an, an important breakdown besides the FSA, because sometimes with language, they're going to, going to give that state assessment at the end of the year to a child who may not be speaking English, have filled out the test, may have completely emotionally shut down because they're overwhelmed that they're sitting there for two hours. So you may have a child who'd never been in school before that just spirals during it and shows a, a level one. They may very well be a level one, but this is another indicator from the teachers anecdotally hearing the stories about how that child is doing in class, emotionally, educationally, how they relate to their peers, how they relate to others. And, and it really is a, a very important indicator of, 
of their school, how they're doing at school away from you. It's good to know that there's so many programs and resources externally for all for the children but i wanted to kind of dive into we know it's very overwhelming and come for these foster kids coming from their backgrounds and they deal with a lot of anxieties and stressors and i know that's definitely implemented in their lives and and you can definitely see that as a foster parent so how do you adequately provide a support system for your child to make sure that they're relieving their anxieties and working through that. I'm amazed how hard they are on themselves. There's the constant comparison and you all know that from your classes. I mean, whether you're in a honors class, regular class or an advanced class, you know, it's like, am I keeping up? And, And there's that innate pressure. So you're doing great, focusing on what they are doing well at. What do they like? Where can be a source of self-esteem? Because again, if you have walked into that test or are so stressed, have anxiety, thinking about I have a, I have to meet with my bio mom later, you you're completely shut down. So focusing on all of those positive things is really important. Sitting down and doing the homework, that Pomodoro method where we're just doing we can set an alarm for 25 minutes and then we're gonna take a break. Water. Water, water, water. I can't even stress that enough to know how so many of them are just need a break, need to breathe, need water, need all of those basics that they just haven't come with those skill set of how to how to soothe themselves in time of, of need. So those are the things giving them the tools to do well. And you know, homework is overwhelming even now for elementary school kids, and especially when you know you're not doing well just breaking it down to digestible chunks and communicating with the teacher. You know, we've sat there for three hours and it's now 10 o'clock and I really wanted them to be able to go to baseball or soccer, you know, and have these experiences. But at 10 o'clock, if they're not finished their homework, and this is after genuinely trying, their IEP can say they have extensions on their homework. They, they can take two days. And communicating that with the parent that we've, we're working on this, but math isn't coming, you know? And and when you have, you're in third grade and you have no clue what happened in first and second grade or missed some of those building blocks, it's a tough call. So it's going to be okay. Not going to happen overnight. You're doing great. All of those things. And the, the teacher needs to know that as well. So you had previously touched on how important nutrition and supplements are for your child's health. And I know that having good nourishment, like with water, as you'd mentioned. So I know meals are a big part of the home life. So how do you figure out meal plans in your household that are time efficient and affordable and nutritious all at the same time? As we're speaking, I I know my kids are going to store and I said, okay, I'll negotiate Velveeta, those boxes and those lunchable things. If we get some fruit in. So there's a constant negotiation. And let me say this too, there are food issues in general besides nutrition. So a lot of times they were not given access and many of these kids are not to food. We were eating kept from them. There was no food in the house. So there were issues of hiding food, of being in their room, because you know the thought is that it's, it's scarce. We're not going to get it. We may not be allowed to get it. And so an accessible, snack bowl on the counter really did solve those issues. Granola bars, like these are the choices you have. You now have choices in your life. 
and I'm going to always choose, give you those choices. Granola bar, fruit, whatever else we've negotiated, the pirate booty. Um, we've negotiated this along the way. There are some kids with a lot of food texture issues. So, and food sensitivities and, and what they have eaten is just pretty much microwavable food. So even getting them to try different things is a challenge. And I know for a lot of parents, it's a consistent challenge. Those choices that they have access to and that we've agreed on these times rather than first they were binging and hiding. So that takes a little while and a conversation. There's a magic box in the refrigerator in the, called the refrigerator in the kitchen. You will always have food in there. And they were constantly asking about what meal, what are we having for the meals? Because they had that scarcity, lack mentality. And a lot of these kids do. So they learn we always have food at school too, right? Now, are they making the right choices? That's a whole other thing at school, especially kids with ADHD. There's some kid that makes kids that have diabetes. So that's a challenge. It's an additional medical challenge. Dyes and a lot of sugar were really triggers. So they were not performing in the afternoon classes because they were wound up. So it's, it's an ongoing challenge. It's something that's managed. I wish I could tell you there's a solution. We negotiated as far as meals, you know, having a schedule. We can have pizza on Fridays. We're going to have, we, we had that Taco Tuesday, which then they got involved in chopping. And the more that they got involved, that was even better so that they're now responsible for Taco Tuesdays and some of the breakfast items. You can always take an egg and put it on toast. Those, and they can now do that and cook that. Chicken chili, so that there's a big pot of that. Anything that can be frozen, spaghetti and meatballs. Some of the healthier chicken nugget situation, you know, big, big pans, Costco. It's an expensive proposition and an ongoing issue for a lot of families in general. When you're fostering, you may or may not have that luxury of who's, who their, your kids are around and they're on visitations. When my kids went in visitations, they knew Mountain Dew was going to be there. They came back having everything. And there were some people around that it took a day or two after a visitation for them to get back on schedule. But that schedule is very important, whether it's nutritional, educational, that they kind of know this is our rules of our house and we're agreeing on it. And there's some choices in there. And then there's some things that are just off limits. They did not have bedtime. They did not have beds. They did not have pajamas. Those things that we would normally take for granted you know, when a foster kid first comes, the dental a lot did not have proper dental. So you had mentioned that subconsciously the kids started helping out in the kitchen and help making their own food. So have you ever delegated the responsibility to your kids to make their own breakfast or dinner or lunch or anything like that? You know, depends on the age, of course. But they have always helped me in the kitchen because they had significant food issues. I wanted them to see not only that they could choose, but they can have control of their food and their food intake in, in a positive way. So they have pretty much always helped me with breakfast in one way or another, pancakes or even something silly that, you know, hey, here's the cream cheese and I'm making it, I'm putting out like a, a spread that you can make your own sandwich, you can make your own bagels. Now that's for the weekends because, you know, we all know it just is pandemonium at first, especially, and then later getting everyone out the door on a school day. But if you can actually witness them eating something in the morning, because they all say they eat it at school, as much as you can involve them in those choices and in the weekend routines and even some of the dinner routines, the better. How did you best prepare your child in the summer for the start of school? Did you implement talking about rules? And if so, was that successful in your household? 
Okay, I would recommend not watching any of the TikTok and those perfect parents who have like the system and then everything goes back. I'm like, that is not happening. If everybody came in and actually put their backpacks on the hook, yay. I mean, there is no perfect anything. If there was a color system, if you could monogram, you know, a backpack or personalize it. I mean, that for little kids, especially. They've never had anything personalized at all, even if it's their little pencil holder, and then it goes in that place. There's a lot of pride in that. Generalized systems of this, the clothes go in a hamper. Um, you have your own clothes now, and I would say keep it simple. I know that the main mistake I made is that we, we wanted so much for our kids, but as simple as it can be that they have one cubby somewhere and their things go in there, one cabinet, and we actually just took a um, P-touch and labeled. It was as simple as possible, and it wasn't perfect. Even the same color socks, so you don't have to match them up, um, and everybody has a black socks, and there's always a match. I mean, simple things like that, especially when you're dealing with a, a larger group. So did you end up having a reward system for the other kids? Yes, and I would love to tell you that we were really great at it and more consistent. And those little magnet boards that you put over. And again, I think when our chore chart and our systems got more complicated, it became tougher. But, you know, they could, we rotate, we have chores so that the dishes and the um, wash and then our washer dryer and vacuuming. So that happens on a Saturday morning. You can do some business. You can change with someone as long as it gets done. But if it doesn't, then just keep it simple. And it is especially depending on the ages and how long, you know, if you're just getting a child who has had nothing, the fact that they keep their room clean may be um, a good expectation. But, you know, that they run a vacuum at all or do something small involved, you know, and help clean up or unload the dishwasher. My youngest son who really, um, he still does the silverware and that's what he does. And he takes out the garbage and one of us helps him Otherwise, as a foster parent, there's enough on your plate that it needs to be simple. And as it goes on, they see you doing it, they'll they'll jump in, especially little ones. Yeah. We had mentioned having a schedule during the school year. And I know, you know, you want to implement it as simple as possible because these kids are not used to a schedule. But how do you best go about acclimating your kids to the schedule throughout the summer? So like, for instance, like, did you ever like start having them wake up early before the school year so they get used to that? Yeah, and now they have a little more wiggle room, but I was pretty firm with the schedules at first because, and, and the nice part was is that when you have a camp or an activity going on during the week um, that they have to get up. Um, the Early Learning Coalition gave gave us a voucher. There's an entire process with the early learning coalition or the case manager may help so that they can be in camps because structure is good. And so we'll acclimate now back to back to school times, at least a week, if not two weeks ahead of time. What is your advice for foster parents who are about to embark into this process, you know, putting their child into school for the first time? As much the information as you can get going online to the school district and seeing what school that they're in who's who's the registration person what what do you need there you know it's a process be patient with yourself and they're going to be afraid they're going to be nervous simply because we all are nervous going into a new environment 
it's even more so because they don't know what to expect at all. It may be so different. And I think managing expectations is important. Having, if there's some groups that you can find on Facebook or foster care support groups, I know I'm involved in one, there's like quite a few because those will be really helpful advocates to say, how do I handle the situation? What do I do first? What's my process? But a lot of times there's some really great counselors at that school that may be helpful for you even before you meet the teacher night because that's important to do. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. Your answers were amazing and extremely knowledgeable. We really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you for tuning in today for part two with our guest, Miss Christine Brown. New episodes of Healing Hearts premiere every two weeks, so follow us on Spotify and Apple Music. To submit a show idea, appear as a guest, apply to be an interchanging host, or for more information about Parents Speak Up For Kids, email parents at speakupforkidspbc.org. Until next time, remember that healing starts with the heart. You've been listening to Healing Hearts.